Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Hello and welcome to Reflections and Observations episode number 57. We're now over the 50 milestone as I reflect upon the last seven guests. Last week, Mike Bristow took the podcast into number 50 with his episode Absolute Focus. This is the second podcast we've recorded together as the first one was for the Property Vault podcast. However, the conversation had a very different angle this time. This time, Mike shared more about him, what drives him in connection with what he does and why he does it. Something I want to pick up on is how Mike mentioned that he often finds it difficult to be present in the moment, almost always being pulled into the future with his strategic hat on as he's fascinated about the longer term, describing it as an impossible balance that he's trying to ensure that decisions are made on a reflective and not a regret basis. This is a struggle that many of us have. Being pulled into the future or being dragged back into the past consumes us on a daily basis, often forgetting that being present in the moment is what matters most. Our mind can wander into the future and back into the past, and it's fine to reflect on what's happened, what learnings we've encountered. And it's important at the same time to have that long-term strategic plan for the future. However, having a balance between all three, the past, the present and the future will help us to achieve a healthier and happier life. There's also an irony in the fact that whilst I'm speaking in the present, that is now the past and the future that was to be has just been and gone. It's okay to reflect on the past as long as we don't get overwhelmed by it. It's okay to think about the future as long as we don't overly become anxious about events that may never happen. So how do we avoid overwhelm and anxiety and stay more present? Well, it helps if we focus on why we're doing what we're doing. If we practice mindfulness and forgiveness. If we work in our flow and then time is always present as we're so focused on what we're doing. The next episode is episode 51 with Jeanette Linfoot. Jeanette says, be brave, be bold, be brilliant. You only have one life. Every single person has greatness within them. No regrets. Go all out and really push yourself beyond what you think you're capable of because that's where the magic happens. Jeanette is on a mission to live the best life and be the best version of herself. Having almost been the only woman in the boardroom, she recognises that there is so much untapped talent in this world and she wants to be able to unlock that potential and help people to live the best versions of their lives too, whilst also leaving a lasting impact on this world. One word I observed that Jeanette used multiple times in a conversation, 13 times in fact, was the word impact. And I asked her, why was impact so important? And what is it she was trying to achieve? And she said there are two angles. One is from around her family, the legacy that she wants to leave from a personal perspective. She wants to leave a lasting legacy that for generations to come. And then there's the wider impact. She said she was fascinated by the potential of others. She knows that she wants to make progress and she wants to ensure that she doesn't waste a moment of her time on this earth and the impact will bring her the most joy. So how do we make an impact and why is it important? 
I referred to a quote from Mahatma Gandhi in my reflections episode number 35. As a single person, we can make a difference and an impact. Gandhi said that what we see in the world is simply a reflection of what is unseen inside ourselves. Every one of us has the power to affect change. First, we need to self-reflect and challenge ourselves to be selfless and be motivated to help others. This is what Jeanette is doing now. She's got to the point in her life where she can now look outwards and make that impact that she speaks of. She talks of her family and then she talks of a much bigger family, the wider community. When making an impact, we need to learn about patience, joy, self-confidence, because it takes time and to make an impact takes time and it's hard work. It requires effort. Everyone goes to the gym and when we come back, we look in the mirror and there's no visible results right there and then. But we know that if we stick with it over time, we're going to get the results. It doesn't happen immediate. And this is the same with impact. Consistency will take us there. It's a consistency that gets us into shape. It's a consistency of our daily events that makes the impact. Those daily practice of things, the accumulation and the compounding of all these things that make the difference. Don't underestimate the small differences that you can make. They may not be measurable in the short term, but you can certainly measure them over the long term. It takes time. It takes months, years, perhaps a lifetime. However, with the power of the butterfly effect, changing one person's world has the potential to impact lives for generations to come. Jeanette has picked one goal, which means something very personal to her. She wants to use her mentoring experience. She wants to deploy her global network. She talks about the books and podcasts that have inspired her to do all of this. We are all unique, she says. We are so busy comparing ourselves to other people that we often forget that we can bring a different set of experiences, knowledge and perspectives to the world. This is what inspires Jeanette. Jeanette wants to empower and unlock this untapped potential by connecting and budging up brilliant female entrepreneurs in the Western world with those in the developing countries to make an impact on the ground. Again, it goes back to how many people we have the time to reach on a level that will make that true impact. Remember I talked about the troop in the last Reflections episode. If we look after those people that we know, if we treat them well, if we're present for them and we care for them, in turn, they respect us and they will look after those they know and have the time to nurture and to love. We can't have meaningful relationships with everybody. So if we focus on that small group and have an impact on them, they in turn will have an impact of others. What you do on a daily basis will have a massive impact. Episode 52, Reevaluate Everything with Niall Scott. Reevaluate is a key word in this conversation. Niall said he considered himself unemployable and in an ironic sense, that also meant that he didn't know how to even employ himself and be the entrepreneur that he desired to be. He didn't know what he wanted, but he just knew that he was not destined to work for others. He said there were plenty of times that he has reevaluated his life and the first time was potentially when his father passed away and he woke up and smelled the coffee. He realised that he would not be here forever. He too talked of making an impact. He took a step back and looked at how things were operating for him and whether he was going in the right direction or just following an expected path. He focused on what was important to him. Using the time in lockdown recently, Niall speaks of this re-evaluation of the whole process again. And how did he do it? He went back to basics. He looked at his mistakes and learned from them and started again seeing the setbacks as opportunities. 
He's surrounded himself with people who make him happy. He's realigned himself focusing on the work that he loves doing. He's reset personal and business goals that have put him on the right course that he has set for himself. He's sought out what makes him happy, what he deems to be important in his life and taken the opportunity to recharge and look after his own health. He's outsourced and delegated work to various VAs across the Philippines, Brighton, Scotland too. And there's a lot to be learned from focusing on what is important to you. Taking that time out from your busy daily life to assess what is truly your life course and whether you may have drifted off course at some point. Taking that time to realign yourself, to reevaluate everything, to focus on your why. Episode 53, A Sense of Community with Matt Baker. Now, before I reflect and observe a moment from Matt's conversation, I want to take the opportunity to welcome into the world Amelia Georgina Baker, who arrived on the 9th of July. And I send huge congratulations, love and massive hugs to Matt and Lara. It will be of little surprise for me to announce that community is the theme of Matt's episode. Community and harmony are symbiotic for Matt and has been from an early age. Harmony in more ways as his passion for music takes on an extra dimension to this. And why is community important? As a musician, Matt sees a sum is greater than the individual parts and being a piano player, a solitary piano player, it is when he comes together with the other musicians that he enjoys it so much more. Working with others, Matt believes you can achieve far more than operating solo. And this is why he's so focused on building co-living spaces, the communities in his property business. Matt talks of the 17 Global United Nations goals and with Niall, they chose to combine two. Goal number eight, decent work and economic growth and goal number 11, sustainable cities and communities. Our world leaders have committed to working on 17 global life-changing goals for sustainable development, which they believe will all contribute to ending extreme poverty, fight inequality and justice and will fix climate change. They've set a target of the year 2030, which is just 10 years away, and we all need to play our part for this to happen. What are the global goals? Number one, no poverty. Number two, zero hunger. Number three, good health and well-being. Number four, quality education. Number five, gender equality. Six, clean water and sanitation. Seven, affordable and clean energy. Eight, decent work and economic growth. Nine, industry, innovation and infrastructure. Number 10, reduced inequalities. 11, sustainable cities and communities. 12, responsible consumption and production. 13, climate action. 14, life below water. 15, life on land. 16, peace, justice and strong institutions. 17, partnerships for the goals. What would your global goal be? How do you choose to support just one when they are all so important and entwined? For me, I guess I'd naturally err towards clean water and sanitation, as without clean water, we would not survive at all. Currently, billions of people across the world still lack these basic services, with three in ten people worldwide lacking access to clean water. Two out of five people do not have a basic hand-washing facility with soap and water and more than 673 million people still practice open defecation. With COVID-19 sweeping the world, we know the importance of washing our hands, of sanitation and hygiene. 
Basic hand hygiene saves lives. And according to the World Health Organization, hand washing is one of the most effective actions you can take to reduce the spread of pathogens and prevent infections. Yet billions of people still lack safe water sanitation. I'll leave it with you. Which one would you choose? Episode 54, Real World Resilience with Richard Thorpe. Let's focus on transition. It was a transition of Richard letting go of being a professional sportsman to have to move into business, moving from the changing room to the boardroom, as he describes, that threw up for him many challenges and many more than he was expecting. Overnight, his purpose had been whipped away from him. What was his plan? What now? He'd been living in a bubble within his sport. And identifying this early, Richard employed a coach who specialised in mental health and performance to help him through. From that experience, his interest in coaching was piqued and Richard qualified as a CBT coach himself, focusing on the transition period between retirement from a professional sport, beginning a new career, which is a much harder process than people would anticipate. He said he likens it to a bereavement and it is an emotional process. Mainly lifestyle related and also the lack of preparation and purpose. They have time on their hands. Mental health issues are increased. The statistics that he references are shocking in terms of bankruptcy, depression, anxiety disorders and suicide rates. Richard wants to help work with people to try to smooth that curve and help people through the process. He wants to help them to progress, to move forward, to find their purpose and their drive. Again, impact and legacy crop up in this conversation. Richard talks of the funeral scenario that Stephen Covey references in his book, What would people say at Richard's funeral? Who would be there? What would they be saying about him? He wants there to be people there at the funeral because he made a difference to their lives. That for him is his purpose, his why. And a final reflection from Richard's episode was that he talked about how important it is to make mistakes, as that is likely because you're pushing your boundaries, which in turn means you're on target or bang on target, as he said, and to keep going, moving outside of your comfort zone. And that is the, my one thing to do on my daily to-do list, which is leave my comfort zone. And this brings me nicely on to the next episode with Louise Reynolds, as she talks about pushing boundaries constantly. Episode 55, Common Sense Investment with Louise Reynolds. Louise says that she needs to push herself outside of her comfort zone to achieve things that she has not yet achieved, to make sure that she is the person she meets at the end is not her, but someone different. She regularly seeks out discomfort, which uses a lot of nervous energy and exhausts her, but she knows she has to do this to progress as she used to hold herself back and she refuses to do that anymore. She wants to break down the barriers by taking uncomfortable steps forward. So what is the science around this? You hear it all the time, get uncomfortable to get comfortable. But what does it actually mean? Well, your comfort zone is a space where you feel at ease, where you feel safe. It requires little or no effort. The irony is, though, that your comfort zone could be perceived as a dangerous space. Your brain avoids change and staying in your comfort zone prevents you from progressing, from learning, from improving, from achieving, from making decisions that will affect change. Your comfort zone is a space, a behavioural space where your activities and your behaviours fit a certain routine and a pattern which is there to reduce and minimise levels of risk and stress. In your comfort zone, you are in a state of mental security. So why step out of this space? Why push those boundaries? Well, 
comfort kills productivity, they say. And pushing the boundaries means that we can achieve more, we can take on more risk and benefit from the rewards. If we embrace fear and anxiety and perform, if we learn new skills, if we acquire new knowledge, if we seek new experiences, then we grow, we solve problems and we can overcome obstacles. Our zones move boundaries all the time. And every time we step outside of our existing comfort zone, where we feel safe and in control, we move into the fear zone where we lack self-confidence, find excuses and are easily influenced by other opinions. At this point, we have two choices. We can either step back into the comfort zone or we can move forward into the learning zone. If we move forward, here we can deal with problems and challenges. We can acquire the new skills and we can extend our comfort zone. And from here, we can again step forward into the growth zone. And that is where we find our purpose. That is where we conquer our objectives, where we can set our new goals and where we can live our dreams. Outside the comfort zone is indeed where the magic happens. But how do we get there? Louise says, small steps forward. The changes, as I said earlier, they're not visible overnight, but over time you'll notice the compound effect and you will reap the benefits. Information and knowledge is power. The more you know and apply, the less daunting things will appear and the less fearful you will be. Have a plan. Write down your goals and how you're going to achieve them, breaking them down into monthly, weekly and daily actions. Keep positive, keep pushing, keep expanding and seeking out challenges. Look for new challenges that you've never imagined you would or could achieve. I keep a journal and have done it for 1,325 days consecutively now. Why? Well, my journal shows me my comfort zone. It shows my fear zone, my learning zone and my growth zone. I can see where I was, where I am and where I am going on a daily basis. It keeps me on course and accountable. It shows me in black and white what I thought was possible what I thought wasn't possible and what is actually possible. When I started journaling, I wrote down my goals, what I was grateful for and what I felt in a moment. Reflecting on those goals now, one could perceive them as being smaller, small goals. However, at the time, that was as big as I thought I could dream. I can't modify my memory. It's written down. I wrote exactly how I felt at that moment in that time. And it's been an incredible way to chart my growth, to see what I was fearful of and how I overcame it. My journal has been the best mirror. It's been my best cheerleader and I highly recommend journaling. Episode 56, The Canary Concept with Melissa Curran. In this reflection, how could I not talk about canaries? Melissa's canary concept is about improving mental health and well-being, combining the psychological aspects and emotional intelligence of leader characteristics with mental health awareness. She said canaries only sing in good environments and that they are there for the safety of others. I wanted to find out a bit more about what canaries do and how we've used canaries in our history. Now, canaries are not social birds. They lack the need to have interaction with other birds or humans. But that is not what Melissa is using the canary concept to re reflect Canaries were used in mines because they were good early detectors of carbon monoxide because they were more vulnerable to airborne poisons. And this is because they need immense quantities of oxygen to enable them to fly to the heights that would make humans altitude sick. Miners would then have sufficient warning to evacuate should a canary start to show symptoms of breathing difficulty and it would become agitated. And if there were dangerous levels, well, unfortunately, as we know, the poor canary would just drop dead. So why does Melissa use the canary concept in her work? 
She likens it to people calling in sick due to depression or anxiety. The agitation that people are showing is just like the canary giving that warning. Apparently, 60% of sick leave is due to stress. And Melissa wants to raise awareness of mental health in the workplace and wants management to become more aware of their staff's well-being. She said canaries only sing when they are in good environments and they're certainly not singing when they came out of the mine. And if you don't understand the needs of your people, then you can't help them. She says you can't save someone from drowning if you don't know they're in the pool. It's a valid observation. If you spend time with your people to understand them, you can help them to develop. People are important to Melissa, more important than probably anything else. She mentions the word people over 90 times in this conversation. She is passionate about improving the lives of people, making a difference for them, as she believes that the more people she can help, the more people that get involved, the sooner that changes can be made everywhere. And she feels she's speaking on behalf of all the voices of people that don't get heard. And she wants to help them through the dark times to create a better future, a brighter future. And on that positive note, I'll leave it there. Who's coming up next over the next couple of weeks? Well, we have Carolina Adamchik with her crazy opportunities. Olga Gaidana, who follows her heart. Brian Main is the originator of goal mapping. We've got Lucia Knight, who talks about superpowers and kryptonite. John McDermott is creating the future landscape of our country. And Jane Baylor, well, she's a smart connector. So another six incredible guests, all sharing why they do what they do. So be sure to tune in. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.